and welcome to the 11th episode of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. We've got a lot to talk about this week, what with Liverpool's fantastic 4-1 win over Leicester City at Anfield on, on Saturday, the opening of the new main stand, Liverpool's trip away to Stamford Bridge coming up on Friday night, and a whole load of questions regarding the best first 11. So joining me to discuss all that are three familiar voices to you. We've got, first up, Neil Devlin. How you doing, Neil? Not so bad. Glad to be back. Glad we've got a win to talk about. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> Rather than poor. Everything's looking rosy. This is me in, in a good mood. Everybody, everybody would be surprised to hear that. <laughs> Excellent. Rose-tinted glasses, like the sound of it. And alongside him is Dylan Baker. How you doing, Dylan? Oh, very well. Watching a little bit of Champions League. Happy to talk about Liverpool and not be in trouble for it for the first time in weeks. So definitely good to be here. Yeah, it's some somewhat of a re-entrance for you on on the scene. So welcome back. And making up the final part of the triumvirate is Johnny Henderson. How you doing, Johnny? I'm good. I'm good, Neil. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll probably just get straight straight into it. Why not? No point in beating about the bush. Liverpool four, Leicester City one. It was a big day at Anfield. It was our first home game. It was the opening of the new stand, which we'll, we'll come to in a little while. So the onus was on on Liverpool, on Jurgen Klopp's men to perform, and perform they did, John, didn't they? Yeah, they certainly they certainly did. It, it was a very very impressive performance. Just looked such a threat going forward. Still the odd wee niggle at the back, maybe, but I think it would be churlish to fixate on that, you know, as... As an attacking force, there was just so much to admire. Firmino, uh, Sturridge, Mane, the, the movement of the front three w- was brilliant. And, you know, it, it was a game we just seemed to be at it from the off, Neil. And uh, it just never felt in doubt. And I think even even when Lucas made that that mistake, um, what was, I thought what was really good was... You know, last season there was times at home when, for example, we surrendered a, was two goals, I think, against Newcastle. But even though we had that setback, uh, we just never looked like we were going to be stopped. We weren't going to be denied. So all in all, it was it was a, it was a great performance. Um, absolutely, absolutely superb. Yeah, I have to say what stood out for me, as you mentioned, was the the sort of controlled and ruthless manner of the way we. Uh, the way we we took Leicester apart in a way. I mean, you mentioned we're at it from the off there, uh, Johnny, and it seemed to mean the first few minutes we we sort of felt our felt our way into the game a little bit, but um, certainly from the from about eight minutes onwards, and then up to up to the first goal, and, and from then, there there didn't really seem to be any doubt that there. I mean, Dylan, what did you make of the performance? What did you make of the game? Well, I think what I liked the most about it, kind of as Johnny was alluding to, is that not only was there this semblance of control that we really haven't seen out of Liverpool in, in quite some time, but we also saw, barring the, <laughs> as he said, that that Lucas gaff there at yeah. the back. There's uh, no getting around it, right? Was there? <laughs> no, there's not. And in recording the the EPL podcast on uh, World Football Index, I couldn't escape it there either. So, but yeah, barring that, I thought what I liked the most was that that was the most complete performance that we've put in in 
a fair amount of time. I mean, and we're, and we're talking not only this season, but towards the end of last season as well. So it looks like that while, yes, we don't necessarily have the parts and pieces in place that we'd really, really prefer to have. You know, we still need a right-sided center back. We still need a defensive midfielder. All these different arguments that you can go and find on Twitter easy peasy. The the main thing is is that even without those pieces that we still need, it what we did against Leicester this past weekend uh, worked brilliantly. So you you have to say from an organizational perspective that while it is a single match and we'll see going forward whether or not it continues, it's definitely positive going forward. You know, right here at the very beginning of this this Premier League campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's interesting that control has been mentioned by by both of you and. I, uh, picked up on it as well, and it was that that sort of. I mean, you're talking about maybe Guardiola has, has gotten a lot of press coming in um, by moving the centre backs, uh, or sorry, moving the full backs inside into the midfield and tucking them in by moving collar off from left back to centre back at times. And you know, we've got a back four there. You've got a central midfielder and essentially a utility player or a left midfielder uh, or a right midfielder, in fact on the left-hand side of your defence. So you've got two midfielders there, and you've got your second-choice goalkeeper, but yet we still seem to be able to keep um, Leicester at bay quite quite comfortably. Now, maybe do you think that's a little bit that, that Leicester were, were a bit off, or, I mean, were, were Liverpool that good? It's, well, it's, pro- it's probably going to be a bit of both, I guess, but from my perspective, it's the first time I've ever... Well, it's the first time in a while I've watched this, and I've thought... No, nobody was carrying anybody else. Do you know what I mean? So the attack wasn't carrying the midfield. The midfield wasn't carrying the defense. Everything was working in a cohesive unit. As opposed to, if you look at the Arsenal game, sure, we were fantastic for 20 minutes, but that was the attack carrying the team for that 20 minutes. Everything else still looked like a shit show in the background. Whereas this, yeah. nobody looked out of place. James Milner was playing, didn't look out of place. Jordan Henderson's seems to be going into that role where whereas a couple of weeks ago it was we couldn't have <laughs> couldn't have even imagined that and then Sturridge as well I think Sturridge is worth a mention because I think it's the most complete performance from Sturridge I've seen in a red shirt because it it's the first time I've kind of thought that it wasn't all about him and he was he was doing the things that you expect him to do the things that Klopp has, has said that he expects from his players he was. He wasn't. He was willing to make the runs. Like the first goal is all down to Daniel Sturridge's. He comes back into the center circle, gets the ball back. It's all work rate, and then takes the two defenders away, which makes which opens up the gap for Milner's defense splitting pass. So, for for me, that was that was nice to see. Everything was working as a unit. My only my only downside is sort of I still can't really see what Ronaldo's doing. But then again. As Carly pointed out in our WhatsApp group, he, he did provide the assist. So, and that's two assists in two games or whatever. So, he's obviously doing something. So he's maybe just that sort of player that sort of ticks along in the background. You never really notice, but he's actually very important and pivotal. Yeah, he, he's an interesting one because he he doesn't really catch the catch the eye, so to speak. He doesn't do the the spectacular, but uh, he makes it makes a very important clearance at one point as well. I believe in the first half. I'm not sure which one of the players was lurking, but uh, he gets back into position. He drops in. One of the centre-backs is being pulled out, and he, he gets in makes makes a vital sort of header to clear the lines. And he get he does get that assist, but there are times where you, where you wonder what he's contributing. 
So how do, I mean, how, how do you see that in, in, in John Gene Wijnaldum? Anything? Uh, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, I mean, he was uh, Wijnaldum was he was he was quiet. You know, he's, he he was just going about his business in the middle of the park, and it it, it wasn't really that obvious that he that he was involved in a lot of the the build up play. But you could see that he made a few. You know, he was breaking from midfield. There was a few times where he'd where where he'd made runs um, forward, and I think that's very much what he was in the team to do is to bring that bit of pace uh, and goals as well. He you know he hasn't he hasn't as yet put put one away. But but I think that will come. Um, I, th- I think for me, the, the, the Neil there was was talking about Sturridge, and and, and Sturridge was well, he was superb. But I think you know we're really now starting to see. I think a lot of us, a lot of us have felt that Firmino put in some very good numbers last season, and and it, and he was showing signs of really stepping up. And he's just he was at another level. On Saturday, watching Firmino, uh, it was an absolute joy to watch. He, there's just something about him. He's he's just so quick. It's, he's got such quick feet. He's got such quick movement, and he's got a, he's just got a great football and brain as well. And every time he gets into position, if you think about the one at Spurs where he put it on a plate for Coutinho and he should have scored, and just his presence of mind for the last goal. You know, Manny plays it into him, and he's just so calm. He he just waits, takes his touch to knock it around the defender, and then just passes it into an empty net. And he's just so elusive. Defenders just don't seem to be getting near him. And I think as the season goes on, that's going to be really exciting to see him, Sturridge, Manny. You know, you'll have a region there as well, and 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 see how that develops. But certainly from an attacking point of view, there's there's a lot of really good things happening. At the moment, and we're not going to be boring to watch this season. That's for sure. You know, there's 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 going to be there's going to be bags of goals mm. um, with us. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see a lot. Of, we're going to see a lot of high scoring games. I would imagine. I think you're, you're spot on with that. And as an as an attacking force, we were pretty irresistible. As been mentioned, you've got um, you've got uh, Wijnaldum, who's sort of the facilitator, if you will, in there, and then Firmino for one without exceptional pace he just the way he glides away from defenders is is exceptional he's just two or three steps ahead in his mind I think and, and Dylan Sturridge has been mentioned there when Alan's been mentioned we we um we've talked about Firmino I mean who who stood out for you out of anybody on the pitch I mean who who was your man of the match shall we say well, I think the man of the match has to be Sadio Mane. With the way that he got in behind, the way that he was running around and pressing defenders, you know, obviously his goal was was well taken. But the one the one thing that I have to say about that uh, is that while while he gets my man of the match, if Daniel Sturridge isn't in this team, putting in the amount of work that he put in in order to basically allow for that kind of performance, then I don't think. I think we still win, but I don't think we score four goals in such a in such a beautiful fashion that we did. Uh, you know, we have other strikers that bring different things to us, but the way that Sturge dropped in from deeper to create space to the likes of Mane and Firmino and 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 these kinds of players, what what we got out of Sturridge was what created that performance. Not only just with the assist and and, and the general passing play, but uh, you know, just just overall his movement. We got a little bit closer to the kind of movement that we saw 
in 2013-14 and then added some more in because we weren't just, you know, we're not playing this sort of all-out attacking kind of style, even though we scored four goals. You know, we scored them well and they would they would work against other teams rather than just being like, oh, well, that happened on accident, but we're up 1-0, so fuck it. So overall, you know, what Mane did in terms of output makes him man of the match, but Sturridge, man, that's, I mean, what a hell of a performance from a guy who you just don't typically hear about performances from Sturridge in that respect. You hear about goals, uh, but you typically don't hear about the, those, those, those kinds of overall, overall style performances from, from him as a striker. Yeah, certainly it was a, it was a complete performance in that front, front three of Firmino, Sturridge uh, and Mane. When we saw that on the team sheet, from from my perspective, I was really excited as uh, what it could bring, and it, it really seemed to click in. Uh, so we were we were quite irresistible, as be, has been mentioned going forward. But we'll have a have a little look uh, further back. So Neil, you had something to say on Lucas? Yeah. So Lucas, it's it's kind of like with the Vinaldum sort of thing, where he's not he's not playing in the position that's his position, but. It's sort of as I was saying earlier about the whole system where it doesn't look like anybody's carrying anybody. Lucas didn't look out of place in that. Yeah, sure, he made the mistake, but everything else was sort of imperious from him. He was, we could see him cutting out balls, making decisions early on, which is very unlike Lucas. In the past, it would have been Lucas sort of dithering about, but he was actually stepping out, cutting out the pass, making the headers, which it all has to be down to Klopp. Basically, and then as I was saying with Milner as well, Milner didn't look out of place. So, if if you looked at the the team that started, there's a lot of players in there that are kind of it's not their first position. It's not maybe where they want to be. Maybe back to where that Sturridge was saying, it's maybe not where I want to be. It's maybe not what Sturridge wants to be doing. But it's all working together, and then the fact that it works together means that the goals and the threats coming from all over the pitch rather than from one singular person. If you think back to 13-14, it was all Suarez. Opposition was always concentrating on Suarez. And that's what created the space for Sturridge. Whereas Leicester didn't know who to mark. Manny was running at them. Sturridge was running at them. Firmino was running at them. Ronaldo was running. Even Henderson was making uh, dashes into the box. And he did miss a sitter, (laughs) which wasn't so good. Yeah, that was was glaring. But, I mean, he did get there and... Thing was, there were runners arriving, as you say. Yeah, and then everybody, it, it all worked. There's nobody that can come off that pitch and say they didn't give a hundred percent. You could the man of the match question. You could give it to anybody because everybody was just playing out of their skin, basically. And I think it's credit to Lucas. I'm not. I've never been Lucas's biggest fan. And yeah, the the mistakes a bit of a joke, but that's not even on on Lucas. There's many other factors there. So. I just, I just think it's great that everybody's sort of stepping up to the plate and it's all starting to come together. Maybe the sort of reaction, even myself included, in the last couple of weeks where everyone was just sort of starting to click. They were trying to get into it a bit more. But now that it has clicked, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I, I would I would say too on, on Lucas, and, and you are right. I mean, I don't think there's any of us in the could be accused of being big Lucas fans, anybody that listens, you know, his legs have ha, have gone a bit. But what he does have is he, he does have a, a football and brain and, and probably one of the most probably one of the most underrated things with, with, with Lucas is and, and something you wouldn't associate with him because he's not that big a guy, but 
Lucas is really good in the air. Mm. You know, it's not a real obvious statement that, but if you watch Lucas, and, and I've noticed this over a long, long period of time with him, he's very, very rarely uh, beaten in the air. And I've seen him get in for headers with the likes of Fellini and players like that. And he just seems to get his body in the right position and time his jumps. Um, and, and he did, he, you know, he, he done bar the, 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 you know, it was calamitous. <laughs> what, 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 what he done, it really was. It really was, was like. It's it's a it's a Christmas bloopers uh, DVD. It's it's so on my outtakes reel. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely. the best assist of the night. It was, but I think as well, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about it later. But um, having that presence of Matt up there has really seemed to settle things down as well. He's just so composed. Um, I think if you've got two guys that are a bit scatty, like if you've got Lovren, for example, and Skirtle and they're diving in and sliding in at everything that moves, whereas, uh, and and they just sort of panic with with headers. Um, what you see with Matip is he seems to take care of everything. He, when he needs to put a header, and he, he, he sends it to a red shirt, and he just brings that calmness, and that seems to have rubbed off on on the the the, the centre halves that he's been he's been playing with. Um, I've certainly been been impressed with him as well. Uh, for sure. Well, and I think there's something to be said too about Milner. I have <clears throat> on on several different podcasts. I've I've come on and lambasted um, <laughs> ever having Milner as a left back. I've done it in group chats. I've done it on Twitter. So publicly, this is going to sound weird, but I I, ha- I do have to agree in the sense that he didn't look bad at all playing left back to uh, over the course of the weekend. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way that we. The way that we held the ball, um, you know, where we where we had a lot of problems, or at least where I had a lot of problems with, with Milner playing left back, is that when he bombs forward, he doesn't put in the cross off of his left foot, so he has to switch it to his right. And it seemed like every single time, uh, teams would just give him space in order to get into those areas just to watch him switch it on to his right because they knew it was going to happen. It's easy to defend if you do it 100 percent of the time. In this match, we didn't get we didn't get that same. We didn't get that same little, you know, I'm going to do this every time feel from him. He also sat back a lot more because where we were getting into areas of space on the left-hand side didn't really include Milner as much as what it has in previous games. So I think, to be completely honest, especially with the way that he passed in for the the first Firmino goal uh, for the assist, if he can play left back that way, then I have a lot less problem with him playing in that position because he's utilized based on his skill set the correct way. Now, whether or not that you know is is where we go going forward is is something to you know basically to be determined uh, over the course of the rest of the season. But I, I I was pleased with the way that he played in this particular match. Yeah, I mean both of them acquitted themselves acquitted themselves pretty well uh, given the circumstances. Uh, playing beside each other at the back, as been mentioned earlier, uh, I dare say they probably never done that maybe maybe once before so if memory serves me correctly so it was pretty new for them and you know the team does seem to be coming together um so do you think do you think johnny that this we are starting to see now the real um i mean dylan's talking about the way we kept the ball the number of chances we created in the game when we saw the stats at the end, what was interesting, we only had one corner, I believe, in the whole game. But we had, what was, was it, 12 shots on target? I think something like that. Nine, nine, 
nine between nine and twelve anyway. I can't, can't quite remember. But we had loads of shots on target and hardly any corners. So we're getting we're we're getting much much more clinical. Do you think that this is a sign really of of the the club style really taking hold and we're starting to see it now? Yeah, it it absolutely is, and I, I think it was I think it was Dan Kennett maybe had some numbers up after the game, and I think there's a real mountain body of evidence now to say that the goal scoring that you're starting to see Liverpool are the top scorers uh, this calendar year. Yeah, I think 50, are, uh, yeah, fifty and twenty six games. So you know th- this this is more than at this point now. This is more than just you know, occasionally we're doing it. It's a real trend of the team now that we are very, very dangerous in, in, in a football match. There's We create a hell of a lot of chances and that high pressure, energetic style is, is, is giving Premier League defences problems that they can't cope with. No, I think you're right, Neil. This is a real, there is, there's a movement now with, with where we're going and there's a purpose about us. We still all want to see that consistency. You know, you look at the the Burnley result just becomes more and more frustrating <laughs> as each pass, <laughs> you know, it goes does, by. But as long as, as long as it remains the anomaly, we'll, we'll, uh, the longer it remains the anomaly, sorry, the, the more content we'll feel, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth saying as well, you know, just on Milner. Yeah, be churlish not to give Milner credit. He had a, he had a really good game. He supported the attack really well. He played a lovely ball uh, for the goal. He didn't do anything wrong. And I think it's it probably speaks volumes that I don't know. I, I mean, Dave Dunham, who he's on here, we we went we went out to watch the game, and when we'd seen the the lineups, I was really concerned about our left hand side. I was just thinking, you know, Lucas Milner down that left, and Mares and Vardy. Um, it just seemed like an absolute nightmare potentially for us but to you know to the guy's credit there didn't give them a sniff i mean vardy got a goal but it was it was it was a christmas present that goal we really did play well you know we really did play well and nullified them so yeah really really encouraging they uh, let's hope we can they, they can keep it up okay excellent so uh, anybody got anything else they want to chip in on the lesser game before we before we move on I think the only thing that I want to say is that Johnny made a good point with the with the uh, not only the the dangerousness of our attack but the way that we're finding goals right now. And I think that's really important because you know based on the way that we tended to get goals in 2015 and the way that it's changed uh, since 2016 has come around, especially uh, this past season, is what we're we're starting to see. We're starting to see Chelsea and Man City style results of the 2015 era far more consistently, not not even necessarily looking at the output side of things, but at, le- at the very least in the build-up play, everybody's starting to get used to each other. Everybody's starting to uh, play the passes that, that these forwards are wanting. It's just becoming so much more fluid. And it, it's not only has it been fun to watch from a fan perspective, but it's also been uh, exciting for the future going forward. The other person that I think that didn't necessarily have much to do in the Leicester match, but overall at, in the first four games of the season has really shown an improvement of getting the ball on target is Coutinho. I, you know, obviously I haven't been watching uh, football as long as, as the rest of you is, but I know one of the things that I've noticed as everybody else has is that he stopped 
doing the whole, all right, I'm going to cut in from the right and I'm going to shoot and I'm going to aim for the top corner every time he has a shot. Yeah, he still does it. But now he's looking more for he's looking more for the runs. He's looking more to to make an impact uh, in in the attack rather than just having a pop from range. So I, I gotta say I'm I, I feel a 15 goal season coming out of Coutinho. Whether or not we actually get that out of him is debatable. But that's just the feeling that I have, which is exciting not only for us but also for him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna we 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 were gonna talk about Coutinho anyway. So um, it's interesting you brought it up, Dylan. So we'll just go go for it from now. So Neil, what have you got to say on on we Phil? Uh I'm sorry, I, I have to disagree. I think I think when Phil came on, uh, we kind of went down a gear. I think we looked. I think we look worse. Worse is a bad word, but we don't look as good. We don't look as fluid when Phil comes on. He came on, and the first thing I can remember him doing was cutting inside and taking a shot. I think it was blocked in the end, but. We weren't doing that before he came on. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he came on, we started doing a bit more of that. And it kind of, and the game, the game kind of felt a wee bit more stretched when he came on too. Mm. Uh, which I don't really, so that, to me that says that the ball wasn't sticking as much. So, I don't know, Phil, Phil's a conundrum. I've said it in the past, he, he can bang a goal in from anywhere really. He, he's magnificent on his day, but it's, it's the fact that he can't do it over 80 or 90 minutes. And I think that could be his downfall under Klopp because Klopp, you can see from the team that Klopp is picking people like Lalana, Milner, people like that, Lucas. They're people who can can be steady 7, 6, 7 for 70, 80 minutes. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think mm. Phil can do that. Phil's a, he's a luxury player, I suppose people would call him. He, he come in, maybe he completely complete thunder bastard into the net when you everyone's going hey this is this is great and then Phil probably turns up after that as well so you're kind of hoping he does it in like the second minute so we have turn up for 88 minutes as opposed to <laughs> doing an 87 scoring an injury time yeah do you know what I mean and I, I just but think- I guess that's the thing is that we saw a lot of that out of Coutinho in the Arsenal match despite the the poor defending if Klopp can get that kind of that kind of movement out of him, that kind of performance out of him, we'll say eight out of every ten matches that he plays, then in in with the rest of this side, it's I, I personally don't think it's going to be a bad thing if he can mold. Now, what we've seen is is since, uh, I, I guess really since after the 13-14 season, he's regressed more into that, you know, cutting inside and having a pop. Uh, kind of style, but that's not what we saw out of him previously. So mm-hmm. my thought process is is that if Klopp can get more Arsenal style performances out of him, then we're going to start seeing the Coutinho that we fell in love with three years ago. Yeah, I'm just I don't, I don't have any stats or anything to, on it, but it just felt I would I would put money on us having more wides after Phil came on than in the entirety of the match before, and that's you you were making the point earlier about the fact that we're we're now getting more on target and there was only one corner yeah. or whatever. And I think, as you say, that's the way Klopp wants it to be. And if he sees Phil shooting from outside the box, even if even if it does go out for a corner, we're shite at corners anyway. So it's kind of like you might as well hit it wide at that point. And I'm just wondering, was Phil left out because he was in South America during the week or was he left out because Klopp left him out? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that's probably what we'll we'll maybe find out over the next 
few weeks. But I mean, it's interesting the point you mentioned about Coutinho being a, being a luxury player, and and it is in a way what he's I don't know developed or regressed into. But Johnny, we saw during the, the fabled fucking 13, 14 season that, but we did see many many um, examples of of him getting stuck in, of him can really bursting from the midfield from from perhaps slightly further back, but also from having runners like Sturridge, like Suarez, particularly Sturridge, he had a and Sterling, he had a, he had a great kind of telepathy with those players. He used to find their runs brilliantly. Is there is it a, a question of perhaps Phil's find himself playing in a front three with with Mane and Lalana, and they're all interchanging, but sometimes he's not getting those runners, the the, the Sturridge type runners, the off the shoulder style runners. Do you think there could be could be an argument for you know him just being a little bit unlucky with that? I mean, he's he hasn't started with Sturridge, for example, this season, um, or did he maybe start at Burnley with him, but not with Sturridge with him? So, no, I think like continues a it's a real interesting one. I personally think that you know I would have said he was in our best or or second best players. You know, he's in in our top two technically. Um, there is just this ongoing debate. There's no doubt Neil's best football was uh, that season. We almost uh, won the league, um, and he was playing left side of a, a midfield diamond. You know where he, he had Gerard there sitting behind, and him and Henderson were the wide players in front and in the in the midfield. And he, you know, he, he was all over teams then. He really was pressing, and I personally really like Coutinho. In that number eight, I think because I think he's got a lot of options there. And um, again, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I'm certainly not going to say talk about everything that me and Dave were, were speaking about after a few pints on on, on Saturday after the game, because um, you wouldn't be able to broadcast some of it probably. But um, in terms of <laughs> continue, we we did it. We did have a long chat about continue because we were talking about you know, there's almost like this debate that he would have got with Iniesta, um, which is where is his best position? Because Iniesta played in that front three on the left-hand side. He played in midfield. And it just depends on your your, your opinion on, on football, really. You know, I'm of a, the opinion that he's better in the eight because he's got more options in front of him because of his range of passing. Whereas Dave's of the view, if you've got him in that front three, he's a goal threat. And even though he missed that one at Spurs, he was there. Normally, he'd put that away. If you think about the goal that he scored at Old Trafford in the Europa League last season, you know that was a classic front left-hand side of a you know of a forward line goal. So it's it's an interesting one though, and I think what we will see, um, which is no bad thing, is that we're not now super reliant on him. We're not now sitting looking at him and Sturridge in particular and going, Christ, if you know if these guys aren't playing, we're fucked. You know we're not going to be able to create. I think we've got options now and we've shown that and he's he is going to have to step it up like you guys have said he's he's going to have to be consistent now for longer in games and uh that's no bad thing uh, and that'll help the team but he's still a fabulous player and uh, I think in a lot of games we're going to need to continue but it'll be interesting to see where Klopp sees his future I, I personally think he wants if he's going to play him it'll be in a front three I think it's it's interesting that you say that he's sort of one of our top two players, and I think the the other one's probably Daniel Sturridge, and we're both this season talking about 
do we play better with or without those two players? So it kind of all comes into the sort of team ethos of Klopp, sort of getting rid of the the Billy Big Balls. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I think as well, if you, I think Firmino is fast becoming our most important player. It seems that Klopp really likes Firmino. He's played him in the big away games that we've had. He's played him in the game with Leicester. He started them every game, and I think he is fast becoming the go-to guy. No matter what formation, whatever players we, we, we go with up front, it does seem that if he's fit, he's going to play. And I think that's going to put pressure on, on Phil and Sturridge, definitely. Um, it's going to, be, going to be a contest, you know. It, it's, a, it's also a bit... I also wonder, why hasn't Klopp played him in the eight role, you know? It's kind of because everybody's been asking for him to be in the eight role for ages, and nobody's really put him there consistent, consistently. So, can he? Do, are we all? So, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there. I don't really know. I'm just saying, are we all wrong, or is the manager wrong? Most people will tell you the manager's never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, we, I think I think one big thing because I think you make a really good point. I think the biggest thing is that it's not been for the most part until this particular season where we've had enough options in the front three that we're comfortable with uh, fielding in the front three to say, all right, well, Coutinho, let's put you back in the number eight. Last season, it was some combination of Firmino and Luana and Sturridge and Origi and Coutinho. But now we have those same folks and we have Mane, which I know that that's only just one simple addition. But by having Mane in that side, you have Origi that can play out wide at times. Uh, you have a healthy Sturridge, so you don't have to constantly be missing him. Adam Lalana is apparently starting to score, which I never thought I would say with my mouth and words uh, out loud. That was a so, bastard of a strike. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I guess that's my big thing is that with all of these players who are consistently in good form, at least for the current time, you know, maybe now you're absolutely right, Neil. Maybe now it's time to say right. Uh, you know, if we're going to continue playing with this four-three-three, let's put him into that role, uh, into that number eight that we've really found. Yeah, he may not be playing with a ten in front of him per se, but he's now got three options ahead of him rather than just two. So, be interesting to see what he could do with that. Do you yeah. think as well that there's maybe a part of this where I think Klopp's sized up the league now, and I think he likes that bit of physicality in midfield. Mm. You know, he's he's gone with Wijnaldum, who's you know, he's he's a big, strong, powerful player. He's he's got rid of um you know, he's got rid of, of, of Joe Allen. Um I, I think maybe Clark's just in his own mind settled that in this league you need players that can be big and strong uh, and fast, you know, in the middle of the park. I, I I don't know. Um, you know, as you guys are all saying, we, you you'd love to see him maybe play in that position a wee bit, but Maybe it just is Klopp's decided that, and he wants that power, and Manny's very much in that mould. He wants quick, powerful players, and in the middle of the park, I think we're going to see Chan, we're going to see Wijnaldum, um, you know, we're going to see Henderson, and we're going to see Lalana. and one of those guys is just going to miss out. Um, and, and if Phil's going to get his game, it's going to be in the left-hand side of a, of a front three, probably. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's a, it was a really interesting point raised by Neil, and I think um, it's a great, a great point raised by Johnny as well. Um, we've only seen Klopp ever play him in the front three, and it does, it does also seem like, um, like he has decided for a robust 
physical central midfield. So bearing that in mind, um, and when you mentioned Neil uh, or Johnny as well that you were talking about what Dave said about him being a goal threat, and he is he is a goal threat. There's no doubt. I think he's, he's double figures last year for the season, um, and triple figures for shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you hit like six or seven a game, it's not—it's not that hard, is it? <laughs> um, but uh, coming back to it, he was in uh, a front three or last last season where it's been mentioned Sturridge wasn't fit for most of the season. RG was was only starting off. We had Ben Teke. We didn't have Manny. Now, uh, Firmino again. It was his first season. If you look at that front three now and the options there, say, say you take the front three from Saturday, if you play them over the course of the season, do you do you see Phil scoring more in any of those positions than than, than a Mane, than a Sturridge, than a Firmino? I, I think mean, does, does he walk back in? there's does potential he... for that. I, the, I think the problem for him is that if they keep performing at the level in which they performed against Leicester, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I I think Coutinho is going to find it difficult to get back on the side, especially if Klopp is following Johnny's thinking in terms of how to build the midfield that he wants. If he wants a big bruising midfield, then Coutinho's not there. And if he wants to have those three or some combination of those three with with Origi, with Lalana and Firmino and all these different guys that we have, I think Coutinho finds it a little bit tougher to get back into the side, which is... It's harsh to say, and there's a very large part of me that doesn't want to say that, but I, I, I think I think it's unavoidable. Yeah, it's interesting because it seems that he will be he will solely be fighting for that front three. I mean, we, we don't know how it's going to go in terms of injuries in, in midfield, but you would think that once Emery Chan comes back, one of those three would, would drop out from, from Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Lallana. Probably Wijnaldum, we're speculating. And then you have, so you have a man over there, you've got four for three, and you've got uh, four or five for three up front if you mm. bring Divock Origi in. So, I mean, he, he may have his work cut out. Neil, do you, do you see Phil coming, you know, getting his, fighting his way back into the side? I think it's going to be really hard because we've, we went through so, somewhat of a mini central midfield crisis, and Klopp hasn't picked him. He's picked Lalana and he's picked Wijnaldum. So, to mm. me, that's the, the greatest indication that. Klopp doesn't see him there because Klopp basically he could have just got away with putting him in there because people could have went, hey, it, there was nobody else for the role. So he, he forced his hand. It was sort of like, as people say, a house money type thing. He he couldn't have lose, lost in that situation and he didn't stick him in. So I think the only way he can get in is the front three. And I, I <laughs> at the minute, the way the front three are playing, I don't see him getting in. And then if... Chan comes back in, that adds Lalana as well to the list of hopefuls trying to get into that front three as well. So it's really stacked against him. Probably just on the Lalana point, I think this is another thing that Lalana is one of these players, and I know we we poked a bit of fun at him last season about his his, his lack of end, his lack of end product at times, and his tendency to think he's Johan Cruyff <laughs> a bit too much. There's a big thing here with Lalana. We we all know Klopp's big into his, his his statistics and his and his running and his distance covered, and Lalana's ran in that game. I think it was thirteen kilometers or something like that. He's he's ran Same. further than, you know, he's ran further than any other player in the league. Klopp really really admires and wants that in his team. And the reality is, if he's putting in those kind of shifts and. If Lalana can start to become a one and three 
you know, he's got two goals and four. He's he scored a scored a, a brilliant goal at at Arsenal, obviously. If he starts to chip in with goals at the ratio of even a one and three, he's going to be. Klopp seems to fancy Lallana. No, no matter what our own opinions might be, he started the season really well, and I'm starting to see him almost in midfield. And again, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm starting to see him as another player that maybe, much like Firmino, he's a go-to player now for Klopp. Klopp trusts him. It's a bit like Dirk Coit um, with, with Rafa. With Coit, you, you, saw, you thought sometimes, God, he's slow and he doesn't have a trick. He doesn't beat a man. But there's certain players that when they go out on that pitch, the manager knows what he's going to get. And with Lalana, you know he's going to run his balls off and he starts bringing in goals. I don't know. Um, we, we might start to be looking at Lalana as becoming a first choice along with Firmino. He's getting a it, new it contract. That way to me. It's funny that we're starting to have these hypothetical conversations, especially after all that we talked about last year, to say some mm-hmm. of the things that we've been saying this year now that Klopp's really had a chance to to settle mm-hmm. in and, and, and like these players and have the players grow under him. Yeah, I think it's hilarious that we're sitting here being like, yeah, Lulana <laughs> could be in the first 11. Coutinho, he may be on the bench. It's like six months ago, we'd have laughed at somebody for saying that, but we're, it, it's legitimately real that we're having these kinds of conversations. It's, it, it's a legitimate conversation. Absolutely, and it's fantastic because what's happened is that the other players haven't got worse. The Coutinho hasn't got any worse. Just other players have, have lifted and raised their game. So now you've really got legitimate and genuine competition for a lot of places, if if not all of them. We, we are still light in certain areas of the pitch, as we, we've talked about at length. But um, that sort of brings us on to where where we are against Chelsea this Friday. Of course, big game coming up. We're away at Stamford Bridge. Who's going to play? Are we going to are we going to name an unchanged side? We've got the likes of Emery Chan back in training from the beginning of this week, so he's going to have had four or five training sessions under his belt. We've got uh, the Carius Mignolet question: Is there going to be a change there? Does Klopp need to change it now, or should he change it now before it's a reaction to a Mignolet mistake? Um, and then we've got the, we've got the whole Coutinho question: Is he going to come back in? So, how do you see this going, Johnny? Yeah, it's 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 going to be a real it's going to be a real good barometer of where we're at because we Arsenal opening day. You know, you, Arsenal always feel like they're a bit flimsy at home early in the season. I think Tottenham was really encouraging. You see what Tottenham did to Stoke at the weekend; they absolutely battered them, but. We absolutely dominated Tottenham. I mean, we were absolutely robbed in that game. You know, bar a 10-minute spell, we we were utterly dominant. But for me, this is a real test against uh, a proper a proper team. You know, it's going to be hostile. It should be a very good atmosphere, Friday night game. And they've just got a lot of players that seem to be hitting the sort of levels of form a couple of seasons ago under Mourinho that, that made them champions. Costa's looking like a real player again. Hazard's, you know, he was he was starting to come on in the Euros, and he's Hazard just looks that that he's got that spring in his step again. He just looks like he's going to glide past people. So it's going to be a big, big test for our defence. I mean, with Milner, who's done well in there at left back, and the likes of Lucas, you know, this is the type of game where you really see the the level that they're going to be. Um, you know, the, the level that they're going to be able to play at. Yeah, um, so it's going to, going to be a big, big test, Neil. 
So that's a, an interesting one as well, Lucas. I mean, we missed that out. Lucas for Lovren. Does Lovren come back in? Uh, has he recovered? I mean, if, if so, it was only a, a knock to the eye. Uh, by all accounts, he had a big shiner, but probably gone down in a week or so. So, I mean, are, are you starting Lucas at centre-back, Johnny, do you reckon? Or or is Klopp starting Lucas at centre-back? Or if Lovren's sort of back, is he going to come straight back in? I would think just because of the physicality of Costa, and the way that he plays, I think, I think if Lovren is fit to play, he'll start him. You know, he just had a really bad looking bruise on his eye when I when I seen the footage of him there. Um, I I would guess he, he would go with that against Costa, but I, I don't know. Just my hunch would if, if my hunch would be if Lovren's fit, he'd play on on Friday night. That that would be my thinking on it. Yeah, interesting, Neil. Where, where are you on that? Do you, do you reckon Lovren comes straight back in if fit? Or do you reckon there's a, a shout for sort of, you mentioned Lucas was imperious at times uh, against Leicester. Is, is there a shout for that sort of experience, that wise head, that reading of the game? Maybe somebody who can isn't isn't as hot-headed as, as Lovren can be. Uh, what do you reckon? I think Lovren will come back in. I, th- I think... I think Lucas is the only one in the team that won't really feel aggrieved by not being selected because he knows why he was selected in the last game. Whereas everybody else, there's no reason to take any of those players out because they played their hearts out last last weekend. And it, I don't think it would help the morale or whatever because Klopp's all about morale. He's always about teamwork and he's always saying that if you do your job, you won't lose your place. So I don't, I don't see him taking anybody out apart from Lucas because I can... He knows that people can see why he's going to take Lucas out, and I think he knows Lucas can see why he's going to be taken out. So, I think I think as well as as well as Lucas played, his legs are still gone. That's still a factor. He did play on Saturday. I don't think he can play to the same level week in week out. I think he's the sort of sort of like a baseball closer type player. You can stick him in there. Yeah. Yeah. At the very end, Do a job. yeah, pretty much, and then just take him back out again, just bring him in, take him out back. It's the same same way we probably should have done with Stephen Gerrard when he was still at the club, but he didn't want to do it. He would have been mm. great, great in that role. Lucas seems seems happy enough to do that because people you can say anything about Lucas, but he is loyal and he loves the club and he will do whatever the manager asks him to do. So I, I'd say Lovren will come back in. I think it's just purely for fitness sake because he was out because of his eye. It wasn't anything to do with an injury or really or anything. So his fitness should still be top notch. So I think he, he'll come in. I think that's the only change. I don't think he... I think it's too big yeah. a game to bring Karius into because if Karius comes into that game, it's on Friday night football, makes a calamity, does anything, pulls a Bravo or something like that, That's that could be that young kid's career over <laughs> in one match. You know what I mean? You know what our fan base is like and you know what the English media is like. So, yeah, I'd say that's the only the only change will be Lovren for Lucas. Okay, fair enough. So you're going on change, basically, except except for the one at, at centre-back, yeah, and you'd rightly sort of say the, the expected one. Dylan, do you, do you see it the, the same way? Does Lovren come straight back in, and or are you are you tempted to play Emery? Uh, are you are you going on change? Does Sturridge maintain his place? Uh, does Coutinho come back in? Any any thoughts on any of that? 
Yeah, I actually potentially have a couple. While this did while this did work well for us, I think that there are a few. I think the Lovren shout coming back in is a good one. Uh, Matip is he's big, but he doesn't have the same kind of aggression that Lovren does, and uh, it seems like every time we've played uh, Lovren against Costa, he's the, the two have had a go at each other a couple of times. So I'm I'm definitely happy for that. Seeing him back in the side, um, I also think that there's there's a pretty good chance here that Emery Shane does come back in. Um, it, it'll just add some steel to the midfield, especially with the way that Chelsea is scoring goals right now. Uh, you know, Shane will help out with the with the Diego Costa problem. He'll also cut out a, a few more balls than Henderson will. I think you may even see Henderson potentially move into a little bit more forward role to let Shane sit there. Henderson did have a good game against Leicester, but there's not really any. There's not really any big bodies for Henderson to to have to bully around against Leicester, and that is going to be very different against this Chelsea side. So I think Emre Jan does come in. I, the final change that I think you see out of Leicester is I do think Sturridge does drop for this one, uh, especially because the uh, a front three of, of Firmino and Coutinho and Mane uh, would really potentially... I think that can make a big, big difference. You, you add the pace to Mane as to what we did to Chelsea last year um, without Sturridge in the side, and I feel like it just baffles the Chelsea back line. Now, it is going to be a little bit more organized with Antonio Conte at the helm, but uh, you know, you take what we did to him last year and you add Mane's pace, and that could be, that could be an absolute drubbing uh, of Chelsea. So, so yeah, I think, I think not for any other reason than... Um, uh, you know, uh, then for stylistic purposes, I think Sturridge does come out for this one. Uh, I think, as I was saying with Lucas, as he expects to go out, I think it's the polar opposite for Sturridge. I think when you have Sturridge doing exactly what Cop really, really wants Sturridge to do, I don't think he wants to knock him immediately after because that could go very wrong. We 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 know the sort of personality of Sturridge whether you like him, you don't like him, whatever. He is, he wears his heart on his sleeve and all that crack, He and he doesn't take well to criticism. So I think it's vital that we keep him in for the rest of the season, not for the rest of the season, for the rest of his season, because if he comes in, does a job, does exactly what I expected, he's getting the plaudits, everyone's saying it wasn't that great what he did, and then just to immediately hook him, I think that would just be devastating for him. I think that would be the end of him, basically. Okay, so you think just just from basically a morale and a man management point of view, Klopp would would yeah want to give him the pat in the back by keeping him in. That's all Klopp's about. Klopp said it from day one: if you do what I ask you to do, uh, I I will stick by you. So I think he will stick by him mm. because he's that he anybody in the the team you could do it to anybody except for Sturridge because I think he just needs that little bit of coddling. He needs that sort of boost uh if you do if you take him out i think it'll destroy him okay so. yeah do you know what yeah i i would i would just add to that as well i think there's a big factor in this game as well is that john terry's out um and i think conte's not stupid he knows about money he knows about the pace we've got so chelsea will i think play probably a fair bit more conservatively than they'd normally play at home. And I think what we, with John Terry out uh, and maybe David Luiz coming in and, and a bit of a reshuffle there in the middle, I would love to, I really want to see Sturridge on the pitch because I think 
his his movement and his pace um, and him for Mino and Manny and that that understanding we started to see it would be really really interesting to see how Chelsea cope with that um, and I could see why there's maybe you know bring Coutinho in but I, I think now it's a, it's a perfect thing with with John Terry out and maybe a bit of of, of change in the in the middle of their defence um, I I would like. I'd love to see Sturridge and, and and the other two get a run run out again. And I think you're right, Neil. I think with Sturridge, this would be a big one. You know, um, I think some of us were thinking he mightn't even start against Leicester. So Klopp's it's a former club as well. He, he won't do one on Chelsea. Absolutely, he'd want to prove a point. And maybe it was because Coutinho was away at international duty. Who knows? But. Um, I think he's earned his spot, and he and he worked for the team, and he made goals with his movement. And uh, I, I hope I hope Klopp plays him. I really hope he does, and I hope we see that front three again. It was interesting that he took him off on on seventy three or whatever it was, and um, you know the the reaction to when he came off was much more. The body language was much better. The whole thing was just much better from Sturridge the other day, and it, it did seem to be clicking. So. I don't think, I mean, we touched on it earlier, Coutinho didn't really do anything in his little cameo to sort of uh, show that he, he should he should take the shirt back. But uh, but Klopp has gone with that front three, that, that strikerless, if you will, front three for all those uh, big away games. Do you really see, uh, do you really think that he's going to let Daniel Sturge's feelings get in the way of that? Uh, or do you think he, he really has got him where he wants him now and he, he's going to keep him in, Johnny? Well, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? Um, I think the the criticism of Sturridge is that some there's a lot of people that talk about Sturridge, and if he's not scoring goals, you know what what's he going to bring? And I think that Saturday was a really brilliant example. Sturridge is is to me, and I, and I, we've, I think we all agree on this. Only Aguero is you know only Aguero is, is is a better striker than him in that league. He's he's a fantastic footballer, Sturridge. He's got a lethal shot. He's really he's really quick technically. He can beat people in tight areas. He's he's, he's got the lot. Um and I think what the what he's seen on, on on Saturday was he and and that's why I think it was a really good point Neil made earlier. Like in terms of a complete performance for a match that he didn't score in, he done everything you wanted. You know, his movement pulls them away for the uh, for the for the Firmino goal, his movement and, and everything he was doing. So I, you know, I think I the think assist was sublime as well, wasn't it? Ah, uh, I mean the back heel to to Mane, absolutely. I mean it was it was it was it was absolutely fantastic. And I think if he's doing that and and he brings that goal threat, and you know, the, what's to stop Sturridge from on another day? He missed that chance in the first half as well. There was one he took a heavy touch in the second, but if he's bringing all that movement and creativity to the team, and he's he's chipping in with goals as well. Um, you know, you know, Sturridge is easily capable of getting 15, 20 goals, starting where he started on Saturday. Um, that's a hell of an asset to have in that league, a player with those sort of numbers and that kind of attacking play. You know, so it's, it'll be Klopp's call as always. I don't think Klopp lets his any emotion get in the way of it as, as regards to player and what they're thinking, but. I think on pure football and merit, uh, I would like to think he, he, he's got his place um, for Chelsea. I think it would be yeah. awful predictable as well if we just went mm. with the same strikerless. Klopp's not a predictable guy. I think Chelsea will look at it and think well, that's maybe how we're going to set up. So I think storage could be our sort of ace in the hole. 
with that yeah. regard because we've been setting up that whole way. There has to be a, a point where Klopp goes, I'm going to change it up a bit because the opposition's going to know what I'm going to do. Yeah, double bluff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a case to be made for that. And, you know, as you, we've all sort of touched on the numbers in that front three when you've got Firmino, Mane and Sturridge, you know, you know there are goals in it. And you, you've got Coutinho on the bench as well to add to that. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see. It's it's we really are guessing actually this season so far with, with who the, who the starting lineup is gonna is gonna be come game time. So we've we've talked at length. Then we all we all reckon that there. Well, I think uh, Neil and John reckon there aren't going to be too many major changes. Dylan not sure about perhaps bringing Emery Chan back in and um, and Coutinho. So having said all that. How do you think it's going to go? How are we going to do? Uh, do you see? I mean, you don't don't have to give me a prediction. You can if you want. But do, do you think we'll we'll go there and win the game? I think, to be honest with you, I feel like, and I I, I feel like every time that we have a good result, everybody gets like this. But I feel like a a, a, a nice little train ride through our next period of results is is on its way. Um, you know, we obviously have the benefit of no Champions League. So, you know, a lot of these different teams running around, albeit not necessarily Chelsea, are going to be uh, quite tired over the course of the season as compared to where Liverpool are sitting. Conte is a good manager. Chelsea have a good team. But there's just there's just something that's not quite clicking in that defense. And we saw it against Swansea while they were – admittedly a bit unlucky they don't deal with pace well at all and we now for the first time in a long time have a lot of pace especially if you guys' prediction of Sturridge starting uh, in this particular match is true you put Sturridge and and Mane against that back line I really think that they're going to struggle to to cope so I, I actually think this is going to be not just a good result but I also think it's going to be one of those results that that <laughs> that next week whenever you guys are on cop left we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about it because it's uh i just i don't know i feel i feel a good one i feel a big one okay excellent positivity yeah i mean and it is that uh you mentioned the the swansea game and chelsea have looked suspect when when put under pressure and um along the back line and and with the pc the pc individuals running off them so Johnny, you mentioned uh, John Terry's out. Uh, could be a, could be great news for us. Could be a blessing in disguise for them. You're never quite sure. Um, so, how do you see this going? Are you, are you confident? Yeah, um, I'd love to say. Uh, I'd love to, to be as bold as, as Dylan. There, he's been quite. He's been quite that. Oh, on the like table, that. like really. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, you're putting your yeah, you're putting your cards on the table there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am confident. I am confident. I, I do think we'll cause them problems. Um, probably the 26, 27 years of perennial disappointment with, with Liverpool catches up on me at times like this. I, I, I think we, I, I'm pretty confident we'll go there and put in a good performance. Um, absolutely. Um, I, I just worry. I, I just still have that wee niggle and that we worry about. You know, the back four that we've got, not that they've done anything wrong against, you know, Leicester. I just think this is another level. This is, this is Hazard. This is Costa. Um, this is William and William, you know, this will be a big again. I know Mares, he, he likes to cut inside and onto the stronger foot. And, and Milner dealt very, very well with him. 
uh, Willian will be a real test for Milner because Willian is, to my mind, along with De Bruyne, he's one he's one of the real top attacking wide players in that league, and he, he really can just burst past people. So I would just worry about it a wee bit. I'm going to hedge my bets and say it'll be a high-scoring game, um, a 2-2 draw. I'm going to okay. go with a 2-2 draw. Okay, sitting right on. Okay, nice. Well, I mean, there is something you've said, said for that. They haven't lost this season even. Even when they went behind there against Swansea, they, they managed to claw it back, and you know they should never really have actually been behind in that game if they'd, if they'd taken their chances in the first half. So there's no doubt they're a tough proposition. Neil, how how do you see it going? Are you confident? Uh, not to sound negative, but I think. <laughs> but <laughs> I th- no, no, I, I think the best thing we can do in this game is keep a clean sheet. Whether that means we win or it means we draw, I think in the bigger picture uh, that will mean we'll have gone to. Arsenal will have gone to Spurs and will have gone to Chelsea and will not have lost. So I think if you, if you think about that in terms of our start to the season, if we do, if we draw on Friday night, I still think it's a good result. Uh, we don't do clean sheets very often, so again, it will be kind of a polarized sort, say, of, sort of result. Thinking, yeah, <laughs> if we get, if we manage to get a clean sheet there, that that would be exceptional. We know we can cause problems up around. There's no debate about that. Chelsea will be quaking over that. I just, I would just love to see a game without any sort of defensive calamities. Just please. <laughs> no mistakes. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't hand them a go. If I was gonna, if I was gonna predict a, a really realistic result, because I actually don't see us getting a clean sheet, although I'll pray for it. I could see three one, three two, maybe. Uh, I think we'll score. To us, obviously, I think I think we'll score. A- a bag full of goals, really, against that defence, because I don't think Conte knows what his best eleven is yet, and he definitely doesn't know what his best defence is yet, and he de- he didn't get the players he wanted in the summer. Uh, he's ended up with David Luiz, because, uh, <laughs> ironically, everybody else wanted more money because they sold David Luiz for £50 million a few million. summers back, <laughs> which is quite funny, and he's a head case. But then again... He could come in and sort of have a game of his life, which seems to happen to us quite a bit. But Hazard was completely anonymous against Swansea. And Chelsea, Chelsea showed against Swansea how, in the blink of an eye, you can, you can, you can score against them. So there's something yeah. definitely not right in that defence. And I, I do think we'll score goals. So 3-1, three, three I'll, I'll go with. Yeah, I have to say I was quite... Quite amazed by Chelsea's capitulation in the middle of the game against Swansea. They were, of course, the only fucking team that wrecked my ACA this week. So thanks very much for that. Um, but yeah, interesting you say that you think we'll score goals. I am also quite confident about this one, and I don't want to tempt fate or scud it. But we've been playing well, so I, I, I sort of fancy a three-one as well. So <clears throat> let's hope. Let's hope it would be. Uh, it really would be good to go there and. Um, It'd be nice for Sturridge to get a goal, I think. Uh, I don't think he's he's really had a chance to, to sort of stick it to Chelsea in a way and, sh- and show them what, what they what they missed. Mm-hmm. So we'll sort of wrap that up there, uh, looking at Chelsea, looking at Leicester. We've, we've spoken at length. Uh, but one thing I want to touch on before we finish is, of course, the new main stand. I just want to, want to briefly chat about this because I don't think any of us has actually been there to, to see it in the flesh as of yet. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on it, Dylan? Um, the atmosphere seemed great. It was much louder. I heard reports of, well, we saw people spontaneously bursting into songs. So it, it 
did seem like a big occasion. Do you think this is something that can be kept up? And how pleased are you with, with the new stand? I think it's I think it's a massive upgrade. I think it's the beginning of uh, of the of the evidence of what FSG is doing is doing for this club or has done for this club. And and while there are still uh, admittedly and rightfully so in several different ways, a lot of FSG naysayers, I think part of the reason that it's easy to 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 be that way is because there has been no evidence of the progress that they've been attempting to make. And yes, while our team is still is still growing and trying to come into some semblance of an identity and form, the main stand kind of symbolizes what FSG came in here to do. They've been talking about it ever since they got here, and now finally it's done. In terms of revenue, you have to be happy about it. It's more, it's more money from the, the matches that can be reinvested back into the club, which is great. Uh, and all these different things. The atmosphere, that's the loudest uh, I've heard Anfield in for a domestic game uh, in, in ages and ages. And I think part of that has to do with the result, of course. But it also has to do with the, you know, 8,000 more people that we can fit into into Anfield. So I can't imagine what it's going to be like on its, on, a, on one of our European nights. Uh, and soon may they return. So yeah, I, you have to be pleased with it, and we're already starting to see we're already starting to see the the, the effects going forward. Yeah, it was noticeably louder. Even just watching it on the TV, and the, the commentators made mention of it several times. Um, so, Johnny, do you think this is very much a step in the right direction? I mean, I think the extension seems to be a good idea. We've seen the the, the trouble West Ham have had moving grounds. We've seen that people talk about the Emirates being soulless and so on. So, um, are you pleased with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was one of the, for me, the best thing that, that FSG ever done was, was make the decision to stay at Anfield. And then that's closely followed by getting Klopp in as manager. Um, and, and it was, it is so impressive. I mean, it's the sheer scale of it when you see the before and after. And by all accounts, the atmosphere was really good. I actually read a, a really good article by one of the guys on the Anfield rap about it. And it was, it was actually quite funny, but. I suppose historically the main stand at Anfield has always been synonymous with grumpy old bastards that would sit in it and <laughs> would spend the game yeah. moaning and uh, cheering and just being generally uh, like Victor Meldrew sort of people. <laughs> but um, there, there was this school of thought that maybe now because it's a shiny new stand and it's easy to go get yourself a pint and, uh, you know, it's transmitting itself to a better mood sitting there and you'll have a lot of fresh blood there as well. You know, obviously with, 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 with the, with the seating and that. So but the atmosphere was great. And, you know, I think there was quite a few times that, were, that people were talking about, and I've seen it on the internet where people were saying, you know, the, the main stand was even starting some of the songs, which was unheard of. It's usually always the cops. So if it adds to the atmosphere, that's brilliant. And obviously it's a no brainer from a revenue perspective as well. Um, I think it takes the revenue up from something like 59 million up to 80 million. And when you think of the likes of United have 90 million and Arsenal 100 million, we might be purists and we might like that side of the game, but you've got to be progressing on that side of things. So, yeah, it, it was a good start for it anyway. I don't think I'm going to get used to this new high camera angle for a while. It feels strange to watch a game at Anfield so high up. <laughs> um, that was I, I spent the first half trying to get my head around it. It was weird, but uh, no, it was it, it was good. Neil and the atmosphere was good, so let's hope it's, it stays that way. Mm. On. And, and Neil, what do you reckon? Do you think it? Uh, obviously, we talked about the revenue there. Johnny mentioned it, uh, and Dylan it pulls us into the ballpark with w- what we would call our our main rivals, or we'd like to be our main rivals, I guess. 
And of course, Klopp's all about all about the atmosphere. So, do you think it's something that, that can really help us this season? Do you think it's do you, do you think it's a, it's a good investment and a, a good move? I think it's the culmination of everything FSG have been working towards since they bought the club. It's sort of everything. It's the sponsorship deals. It's uh, staying at Anfield. It's everything. It's the whole business side of it. That's basically that stand is the metaphor for it. It's the personification of that whole thing. I just hope that that will then translate into the revenue, as you say, which will then translate into a team that's worthy of a stand, so to speak. Uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, the Evertonians still managed to get their, their own little dig in where they were running around with it. Have you seen the picture where you've got a obstructed view from the stand? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, there was a funny picture going around where they were running around with like, <laughs> a picture of this as their trophy. <laughs> it was like Phil <laughs> Phil Neville, I think it was, holding some random trophy up in the air. It was a real trophy, obviously. Uh, and it was this picture. I just thought that was kind of hilarious. Uh it's it's so it's so big. I I heard uh, Andy Young and the Day Trippers talking about it that it is just ridiculously big. So if anything, it's kind of like a big fucking dick measuring contest because you can see it from afar just how big it is, and mm. it's kind of like a big fuck you to the opposition. You know what I mean? I take your point. The the Emirates seems soulless. Look at West Ham. West Ham's a fucking joke now that they they've moved. They're fighting with each other now. Mm. So I think you're right in the fact that this is the best decision FSG ever made was to stay at Anfield. And there's talk now that they're going to do the the Anfield road end as well. So onwards and upwards. Uh, Hopefully it just translates onto the pitch because in the end, we're a football club first and foremost. So the the idea is to use that stand to translate onto the pitch. And I just hope that that, that that does happen. Yes, certainly. I mean, it does. It does seem to be coming together, as you mentioned, the culmination of FSG's plan. But also, it does seem, as we've been saying, it does seem to be coming together on the pitch at the moment. At least, shall we not speak too soon? But just before we go, can you uh, put out any of your plugs, anything uh, that you're up to at the moment, and where people can find you on Twitter? So, Dylan, do you want to go? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Baker underscore Dylan. That's spelled D-Y-L-A-N. And I am doing absolutely nothing right now. So no plugs other than the EPL pod that's going to come out at the same time as this podcast. Okay, double pod. Johnny, what about you? You up to anything? No, nothing but work commitments, sadly, for for, for me at the minute. That's Give me not year. much time. Yeah, not giving me much time for anything else. But um, no, I'm on Twitter. It's at TubinLad. T O B A M L A D. So yeah, if you want to have a wee debate about football or, or anything really, just give me a wee a wee follow. Excellent stuff. And Neil, what about you? You you up to anything else? Or and where can people find you on Twitter? No, up to nothing else. Still continuing my quest to get zero followers, basically on Twitter. <laughs> We're a busy lot. We're a busy <laughs> lot. <laughs> Uh, you can get me at just the normal, it's uh, at Burpleman, uh, that's with a B, not a P. So yeah, if you want to follow me and get offended and see what it's like for someone who really, really doesn't take Twitter seriously, you can, you can hit me up there. Excellent stuff. Yeah, and myself, you can follow me at Neil1980 on Twitter. Yeah, I, I want to plug the, the, the World Football Index uh, podcast. And I happened to make a guest appearance on the most recent Bodies in the Box, which was Boom. called 
which was called an ode to Troy Deeney. And Dylan, you get you get plenty of mentions in there, big man. Yeah, I, that, that, that's what I hear. Uh, go find out just how great Troy Deeney is uh, and probably also why uh, they decided to take an hour and a half and give me absolute pelters uh, for, about Troy Deeney. So, yeah. Uh, there's a backstory to that as well. So you should listen to them both. Listen to them all. We're I wonder if that's in... This. in is that sarcasm or not? I can't tell. <laughs> no, it's the the whole thing is my fault. So between this this uh, bodies and I think the one from two weeks ago, you'll find out why. But yeah, it's uh, mm, it's not good. Okay. Well, check them both out. We have the legend of Troy Deeney and an ode to Troy Deeney. They're they're definitely worth a listen. As is all the stuff on mm. on WFI. They've got the the tactics podcast, the new La Liga podcast. You've Bodies in the box on there, so you got you really got loads of stuff, and it's it's a gold mine, really. So that's about it. We'll wrap it up for this, the eleventh episode of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>